thank you for tuning in to Voices from Room. On this podcast, writers, poets, activists, artists, and analysts who have contributed to Room talk about their work, themselves, and the complex problems our world faces. Our latest issue, Room 1023, is now available online. To read it, visit analytic-room.com. My name is Isaac Sloan, and I'm joined by Aneta Stoinich. Hi, Aneta. Hi, Isaac, and everyone who's listening. It is my great pleasure to welcome our guest today, Destiny Kirby. Uh, she is a senior medical student in the Bronx who is pursuing a career in family medicine and public health. She is an emerging creative nonfiction essayist who explores the parallels between her past life and the one she created in her young adult years. Her work has been published in Pulse Voices from Heart of Me Medicine and Adlibrium Art and Literary Magazine and in Room, which is the, uh, the cause for our conversation <laughs> today. Uh, your uh, wonderful piece uh, that is titled simply On Hair, but uh, behind that very uh, simple title, uh, you open up many important uh, questions related to uh, to race, mm -hmm. related to internalized racism, related mm. to um, uh, ways how different cultural influences impact us in our lives. So uh, maybe we really start this conversation from from there. You know, like how you uh, how you came about to write this this essay. Yeah, um, I appreciate that question. It was uh, a very heart-wrenching essay for me to write, but it was something that I felt was within me, in my, in my heart, um, for a very long time. I have a uh, very interesting, very tense sometimes, but ultimately beautiful relationship with my hair. And I think that as a black woman, oftentimes that is a journey that we all go through. Um, I know for myself as well, I had a very unique upbringing, and so I felt like my relationship with my hair wasn't entirely represented by oftentimes a lot of the black women I found myself around, which was okay. Um, everyone's journey, I think, is unique. However, I felt like my particular story was one that um, I needed to explore a little bit more and ultimately share it in the hopes that if there was someone else who could potentially relate, um, they would be able to see themselves in that. Would you care to tell a little bit more for our listeners about the uniqueness of your, your upbringing that brought about this unique relationship? Yeah, um, yes, so I, I had a very unique upbringing. Yes, it was turbulent, it was difficult, very heartbreaking, many joyful moments. Um, Unfortunately, I think that my family is a product of many generations of trauma. Um, on my mom's side of the family, they were all in the military and uh, they all grew up poor. And then on my dad's side of the family, again, growing up poor, um, growing up in the rural South. And I think it kind of created this very... Um, interesting like mosaic of generational trauma and um, mental illness that is gone untapped, undiscussed, hidden, repressed. Um, 
and that kind of trickled down into me. Uh, and I think that when I was writing this essay, for example, and thinking about my relationship with my hair, there was also this more underlying story of my relationship with that generational trauma or how I choose to um, walk through the world and take ownership of my own story. You, you write very uh, movingly about uh, the co complexity of a uh, 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 relationship with your mother mm. who is white. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's interesting. Many of my essays are focused on that maternal-daughter relationship. Um, I find that even though she and I don't have a relationship now, I see so much of her and me in both good and bad ways. Um, and it was really challenging for me to grow up in, uh, in mostly white spaces, I would say, for the first half of my childhood. I, I moved around a lot um, and had many different families, I would say. And uh, up until around, I don't know, my preteen years, it was, it was mostly white families that I um, lived with, that I related to. And it was very hard for me, especially um, living in more rural, homogenous areas as well. So I think that the fact that I was a black girl, now a black woman, was something that we didn't really talk about. Um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, we didn't really talk about race at all. And I think my family did a really good job of promoting acceptance. I think they did their best with what they had. However, there wasn't that more nuanced conversation of, I am the only person of color in this family unit um, when we go out, people ask if I'm adopted. People ask if something happened to my original family and I just ended up in this family. Um, being bullied at school, not looking like my brother who is less than a year younger than me. Um, so it was this very complicated, complex dynamic that I think as a child I did not understand of course what child would understand that but I also think that um, my mother did not have the tools to understand it either um, so I think she did the best that she could in terms of acknowledging that it was there but we never really dove deeper into it yeah, I'm thinking about how that comes across in your piece when you talk about your mom going out to run errands yeah. and uh, a kind of confusion about what was going on there, uh, acknowledging uh, her her potential discomfort, mm. um, but also needing to kind of hold that uh, on your own. Mm. Uh, is it something that kind of didn't, uh, wasn't able to be talked about? Yeah, I think... Um Again, like I said, I, so I don't have a relationship with her now. However, how I view my past relationship with her over the years has really softened because I'm able to reflect on what that experience must have been like for her. Um, often being a single mother from the rural Midwest, we didn't have very much money, we didn't have nice clothes, and she's carrying around this baby that doesn't look like her with 
wild hair into a black hair salon, um, really exposing herself and I think exposing in a way the resources she didn't have or the knowledge that she didn't have. Um, there's, there's a lot of funny memes on the internet or in TV shows and whatnot of, um, I'm thinking of a particular scene in Grey's Anatomy actually where they bring their like black child into the hospital and everyone's looking at her because her hair isn't done and it's this this like joke that we have in the black community of you know having your child's hair done because again black hair is so special and so unique um and I think about how exposed she must have felt to have dropped me off at these hair salons with my hair looking the way that it was um, and in the condition that it was and just admitting that she couldn't do it herself. Um, and in a way, I think I have a lot of appreciation for her because those hair salons were so far away from where we lived. Truly, it was like an hour drive. <laughs> um, but, you know, with the little money and little time we had, she was still able to do that. So I'm very appreciative of that. Well, I'm also thinking about the online forum space that you turn to. Uh, you mentioned meme culture. Uh, wh when you write in your piece about going on the internet to learn more, uh, it's a real sense of a kind of where else am I going to turn, uh, looking far away from home to reach out and try to understand something about yourself and your experience better. I'm thinking about your publication of this piece and your hope to share your perspective in a way that can be found by others and related to and felt. Yeah, I mean, I was very lucky to grow up in the millennial Gen Z era of internet where you can find absolutely anything on a computer or on a phone. Um, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, I also was a very curious child. Um, so I was constantly on the internet anyway. It's like this very mysterious, I don't know, neighborhood when you're a kid and you're like, wow, I can find anything. Um, but more importantly, you know, I think that, again, just the dynamics of my family, I felt very independent and isolated. And often I say, yeah, I feel like I raised myself in a way because there are so many things that... Um, we just didn't do in our household. Like we didn't have family dinners. We, um, you know, I didn't have a routine of like brush your teeth, take a shower, do this, do that. It, these were all things that I had to do on my own. And the way that I learned to do them was because I would go on the internet and I would read about other people's lives and their home lives. And then I thought, oh wait, I'm supposed to be doing this, <laughs> which sounds, um, like very sad, but I think at the same time, again, like how I was growing up, I think a lot of households were like that. Um, so the invention of the internet and these forums was just so revolutionary to me because as someone who lived in this home that was um, not very conducive to a child, like growing up safely. Um, it wasn't very nurturing and we were all kind of on our own trying to survive. Uh, it was this wealth of information for me to say, okay, I don't know what I'm doing with my life now as a, 
I don't know, eight, nine, ten year old. However, these these people are posting that they're doing this. So I'm just going to start trying that. Um, and I think that's really how I went about growing up is just getting everything from the Internet, um, which is so dangerous, I would say. But also it worked. It worked. So, yeah. Well, you know, one of the uh, topics that like in many, many ways, often our, our authors open up in room is a topic of otherness. Mm-hmm. And that's something that kind of like we talk about and think about in, in variety of ways. And something that you, uh, uh, in your piece, you really bring uh, to the table, I, I think, is this uh, feeling of, of being other within your, your own family. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, maybe if you could say a little bit more about that in the essay, you kind of talk about the internalized racism that that mm-hmm. uh, uh, that that created. Uh, could you say more about that? Yeah, um, yeah. I think on a very surface level, there was the otherness that came from being a black person in a white family, definitely. I think that there was also this dynamic of feeling othered in who I was as a person in terms of, um, I always felt like I had a very different personality than the rest of my family. I was very curious and like booky, like really into my schoolwork and studying and kind of had these nerdy hobbies that I did and the rest of my family wasn't like that so I you know I think about my childhood and so often I was sitting with my nose in a book or I was um, I don't know doing some science experiment or like painting some fish that I really liked Uh, and and that's just who I was as a person and I felt like my family couldn't really relate to that as much um but then there was also this like really interesting dynamic between my mother and I in that uh in her family there's this very long cycle of like mothers and daughters having tension and breaking apart their relationships and sometimes coming back together sometimes not and so you know I say that I don't have a relationship with her now at a certain point she didn't have a relationship with her mom and at a certain point my grandma didn't have a relationship with her mom and um so it was really this like propagation of that trauma that I think also made me feel like she treated me as the other as well um so there was kind of like a lot of things a lot of factors that kind of went into me feeling like I was on my own in that home environment um, and just kind of figuring out how to grow up independently, I guess. Mm-hmm. When, when I read in, in your bio that uh, you use your, your uh, writing to explore pal- parallels between your past life and one uh, you created in your uh, young adult years, I'm hearing it as an analyst and <laughs> and yes. I say like this is a uh, perfectly psychoanalytic <laughs> way to formula- formulate uh, one's thinking about oneself. 
you come from the field of medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have and did you have any relationship with psychoanalysis, psychoanalytic <laughs> thinking prior to publishing for Room, or yes. how did you come to that? <laughs> yes, yes, actually, yes. Um, I had I had spent a time in analysis. Um, but also my, my partner's mother is an analyst as well. And uh, I'm in the New Directions Fellowship, which has many analysts in it. I think prior to this time in my life, however, I would still, I would have still described myself as very um, like reflective and introspective in that um, I enjoyed I enjoyed, to use this word lightly, analyzing my own ways of thinking um, and writing. So then when I uh, kind of was dropped off into this world of writing in the context of, you know, having analysts present in the New Directions Fellowship or with my partner's mother, um, who often reads my writing and she's so supportive of it, um, it just kind of made sense to me because it's just the way that I think about myself and my own story and how I try to represent it. You know, the place that uh, Aneta referred to in your bio and this exploration of your uh, created young adult self and yourself now and past selves, uh, you know, the essay kind of ends with this opening where you meet yourself in the mirror and you know it's uh, a, a beautiful way to close and open a lot and you know i wonder if if you want to say more uh, about uh kind of that moment and um you know w what it's what it's meant um mm -hmm. for you to kind of move forward from that that place yeah yeah and you know it was interesting when i first wrote this essay and I ended it there I wasn't sure why I ended it there I just knew it had to um, but in thinking back about my writing and thinking about the young girl I was at that point it makes so much sense because I think when I cut all of my hair off in high school it really symbolize this change in my life where I felt empowered I think for the first time to be myself to make my life what I wanted it to be and so I cut my hair off and then it kind of created this domino effect of events in my life where um, I'm applying to colleges which I was the first person in my family to go to college and then I leave for college and I kind of start creating distance in my relationship between myself and my mom or my family at that point and I'm exploring myself and um, I threw myself into therapy for the first time in college and this domino effect that's kind of led me to where I am now which Obviously, I'm still growing and changing, and I hope to for the rest of my life. However, I think that who I am as a person now wouldn't have, I would not have been who I am now had I not cut my hair off in high school. Um, it was just so meaningful to me. And, and I think ending the essay so abruptly really opened up space to be able to 
continue seeing what that that person developed into well i i guess i'm interested in uh, as we were talking before we started this uh, and you know it's also part of your bio um your interest in family medicine Mm -hmm. and that you know as you said uh kind of off uh recording uh that it's a a specialization that uh, is kind of specific to your interests mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, not one in which uh, you feel everyone's sort of vying for the position, but something that you've really pursued yourself. Uh, I, I wonder if you well, what, can say more about it. And, yes, yeah. I would love to. I am just so excited to go into this field of medicine. It's so special. Historically, it's been very anti-culture to medicine which has been a like academically elite fields white ivory tower you think of um, the older men with their little black doctor bags and all sitting in conference rooms discussing their patients whatever and then there's family medicine which kind of comes in and just knocks all of that down and says we should think of the patient their community their family their we call it the biopsychosocial model. Um, and I think it's a really beautiful way to think about humans in general, but especially in my in my job as a future physician, that we are um, we are the summation of all of these parts around us. And I think in family medicine, I'm assuming probably in psychoanalysis as well. <laughs> Um, you really take into consideration all of these little parts when you're treating your patients. Um, And so when I was choosing a specialty to go into, of course, there were the practical aspects of what type of um, pathology am I interested in? What sort of patient demographics am I interested in? What do I want my life to look like? But I think more importantly, I wanted to know what type of culture what type of environment would I be practicing in and would it um, bring me joy would it affirm who I am as a person would I feel like I could practice in the ways that I felt respected both my patients and myself Um, and ultimately that's why I ended up choosing family medicine Um, and Hopefully, hopefully in 20 years down the line, I listen to myself saying this and I can say, yes, that was that was the right decision. Um, But, yeah, it's really been such a wonderful journey to be able to go down this path. And what was your what has been your your journey uh, towards medicine? Yeah, I mean, it has been crazy the the shorter version of it was that I actually went to college wanting to go into psychology um, or social work and then it turns out that I really love science and math and I really love public health and so I kind of threw it all together and said well I can go into medicine and still do all of those things um so you know I say that was the short version because it was so much more difficult than that going through college by myself um, with not a lot of familial support of course and working very long hours and um, trying to put myself together as someone who comes from a family that 
isn't educated was so hard. And then all of a sudden I had this dream of, again, going into this academically elite field. So difficult. Um, And I really come back to my mentors who have become really family kind of pseudo parents, pseudo aunties and uncles to me who have kind of led the way, breathed life into me, um, allowed me to embrace my passions and guide me to the place that I'm in now. And so eventually I got to med school. <laughs> like, like, like your uh, aunties at the hair salon. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yes, mm-hmm. I am. Um, and, you know, like I was talking with you earlier, I love my elders so much. I love my elders so much. They're so important to me. I respect the older people in my life just beyond words could say, um, because I think that I, I like to say that I'm not self-made, I'm community made. And so often it's because of the um, elders in my life who have mentored me to this point. Uh, you know, I think when Aneta introduced your piece, uh, she called it On uh, Hair, mm. but there's, uh, I believe it's called On Hair Care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just thinking about the care, care. Uh, aspect mm-hmm. of it and uh, how in the course of the piece, you talk about learning to care in a mm-hmm. very different way for yourself than a way that you were kind of brought up with and mm-hmm. then uh, turning to the choice uh, to go into medicine uh, feels like a real continuation of something that you uh, mm-hmm. began thinking about uh, so early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it's interesting that you say that because something that I really believe in medicine is this idea of hands-on care as well. We talk about um, the laying of hands in medicine in terms of the physical exam. You go into a doctor's office, your doctor is there, and oftentimes what happens now is your doctor is on the computer typing their notes while they're doing it. And, you know, there's a larger reason why that's happening, more um, bureaucracy and things that are happening in the career right now. However, oftentimes I think patients feel abandoned when their doctor doesn't take time to like listen to their heart and lungs or put a hand on their shoulder. Um, And I say that because I, I relate it to this journey I've had with my own hair care of what it meant to actually put my own hands in my hair, to cut my hair off, to find the products, to spend so much time detangling it. Um, And the many many hundreds of women at this point who have done my hair who have put their hands in my hair as well so there's this very sacred interaction that comes from the laying of hands on someone else that forces you to be vulnerable it forces the other person to be vulnerable and creates this really beautiful relationship even if it's just for a couple hours or you're in the doctor's office and it's just 15 minutes but there's there's really something there about human touch um, that I think I've unknowingly continued in my life. How did you start to write? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, gosh, I obsessively journaled growing up. <laughs> obsessively. I, uh, I was kind of a sad kid a lot of the times, especially because of what was happening at home. Um, And 
I found myself just writing and writing and writing in these notebooks. And then eventually, as I, I got older, I still journaled, but then I tried writing books and poems. And writing was this way for me to explore my emotions and my experiences, maybe shout into the void when I felt like I didn't have control over my life. So I went into college still writing creatively also um, for my own like therapeutic needs as well. However, when I got to med school, I was still writing, but I had the opportunity to take a narrative medicine class, which was a small, small class. There was maybe I don't know, eight of us in the class. And um, that was the first essay I ever published. Um, It's called Everyone Has a Story. And we were paired with community partners to just talk to about anything and then write a story about it. And so I was paired with my community partner, Shirley, who is just the most amazing woman. We're still very close friends. Um, And this was years ago. And I wrote her story and my story and we put it together and after the project was over she said destiny you know you wrote my story but you know you have to write your own now like you have to keep writing and you have to publish your own story and um i think that was the first time where i thought oh i could i could do that i could just write and have other people read it which i think at that point in my life i'd only ever written for myself to read it um but it really just ignited this flame, this spark inside of me after that point. I guess, you know, when I'm when I'm thinking about my own journey and my own journey specifically in writing, mm-hmm. um, what's most important to me is is this idea that I think I have a very specific audience when I am writing, which is not to say that no one else is invited to that space. But I think oftentimes when I'm writing these essays and submitting them for publication, my audience is people like myself or people who have not seen themselves represented in whatever way, whether that be, um, again, racially, like in this essay. Um, Also in terms of, you know, growing up with what I call capital T trauma. Or, you know, going into these more elite spaces where you feel like you don't belong, how I have in my career. And so when I'm when I'm writing, I think what's most important to me is it's almost like a love letter to that community of people, like the marginalized, not represented people. And of course, everyone is welcome to engage with my content and read and think about it. However, at the core of it, I think, is this really beautiful relationship towards myself and people like me who don't feel represented but are represented in our own little group of people Mm -hmm. Um, so I I, I think that's of all the things that I can think of that's probably the most important Mm. well it kind of continues the thought about the importance of community Mm. which seems to be really kind of like coming across as a big maybe even main theme yes in yes in your your thinking writing Mm. Uh, life probably right yeah yeah I'm a a big community person um I think that you know biologically and this kind of gets into the weeds of some of the science that I'm really into but 
humans are social species like ants and termites were made to live among each other and uh but you know on a more surface level i think that um i am someone who values relations with other people so much and i know that i wouldn't be where I am without that and so I think in everything that I do I strive to be part of this um, like larger picture of humanity mm-hmm. maybe just kind of like in that that vein what was it like for you to to publish for room mm. like you're talking about particular o- audiences that you have in mind uh, room again has its own particular audience mm-hmm. which is <laughs> uh what what do you wh- how what was that like for you yeah it was so fun um i love broom because analysts and people who are kind of you know not analysts but still in the know are a really funky group of people <laughs> and it it was so fun for me to publish because of that because i i knew that um I knew that we were in the same kind of line of thinking of just being reflective and writing and reading it back to yourself and thinking, oh, but look at this phrase that just highlighted as I went and read back through this and whatever. So that was a really fun process. Um, Also, you know, I had been reading Room for a little while and I listened to the podcast and I felt like my mind was just in line with Room's mission in general, even though I myself, again, am not an analyst and um, and I don't spend a lot of time thinking about necessarily the world of analysis, but there is still this kind of uniting factor of um, like relation with others and reflection and introspection. Uh. Uh, we take it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, for funky real. in the best way, yeah, truly. No, for sure. <laughs> but also, like that, you recognize this space as as a space in, that is aligned with you, really. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. Well. Thank you for for uh, talking with us today, for uh, bringing more to to your story, and uh, uh, for those who haven't read your your essay yet, uh, uh, I I hope that that they will, and uh, and we look forward to reading you reading you more. Thank <laughs> you so much. I really appreciated being here.